Welcome to Night of the Living Geeks. If you geek out over it, we've got a podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of If Memory Serves here at NMTLG.com. I'm Taylor, and uh, with me as he is every month when we wander back through the uh, hazy and this month carbohydrate-filled halls of our memories growing up in the Bay Area in the 80s and 90s. So this time he is the savory turkey to my delicious Hawaiian rolls. It is my brother, Seb. Seb, what's happening? Gobble, 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 gobble. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, the turkey, the turkey that we accidentally ran into a few years ago has come back to find me. I'm out of here. Happy Thanksgiving. Indeed. I'm doing pretty good. Um, you know, just kind of uh, having, I guess, post-presidential election hangover a little bit. Uh, um, yeah, I almost I almost cracked open a beer to do this episode. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, hey, it's, it's uh, you know, all us Americans are all in the same boat together, I guess, in terms of waiting for results to come in. And uh, I guess sooner or later things will happen. But, you know, ultimately, it's uh, been a historic week for our republic, I guess. Um, so uh, hopefully, you know, maybe when uh, this episode drops and our listeners are listening to it, there'll be some more clarity about the direction of our government. Um, <laughs> you know you, what? You are saying it so diplomatically. I, I applaud you because I don't think I could control my tongue that well. Well, you know what? I'm just, I'm very thankful for the right to vote and I hope our listeners are too. But hey, how are you doing this evening? Not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah. There's, uh, you know, obviously this has been election week. We didn't record uh, last Friday just before Halloween because you were down uh, visiting the fam. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, we figured, okay, let's do it the Friday after Thanksgiving. I'm sorry, not after Thanksgiving. Good Lord. (laughs) After our episode or after the election, I, man, you'd think I did have a beer tonight. (laughs) Wow. That's just what this week has done to me. Let's put it that way. This has been six months worth of week. Well, I'll tell you, it was a great Halloween. Spent it with mom and dad, carving pumpkin. I even purchased on eBay one of the old classic 80s pumpkin carving knives with the handle in the shape of a pumpkin. Yes. um, Yes. Yeah, it was a good time. It was was pretty quiet. I didn't have any trick-or-treaters. Only one person did show up to the house, but they actually wanted to give us candy rather than receive candy. That's interesting. That was a first. But, um, but yeah, you know, I think overall, uh, it was fairly safe and sane. So yeah, it was pretty good. good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. We had, we had a socially distant Halloween, mm-hmm. uh, uh, here at the homestead and, um, actually it worked really well. I think oh, cool. we hung out out front. Um, we, we had, um, uh, we actually had some friends over who, um, are kind of in our, our social bubble. Um, you know, they, they, again, they take all the masking and the distance very seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we basically kind of had like a potluck dinner outside. Mm. They even brought some of their decorations oh, wonderful. to our place. Um, and then we set up goodie bags of, of treats and stuff mm. at the sidewalk's edge. So when people came by, we were like, Hey, happy Halloween. What's up? Go ahead and take a bag right on. Um, and and it worked really well, and it was kind of neat because you know Halloween you usually spend it indoors, the TV's on, and then you wait for somebody to come to the door, and it's it's very disconnected. Mm-hmm. Um, there were multiple families out in the front yards um, or in their driveways um, in our neighborhood, 
And that was nice. That was actually really kind of nice. The weather was warm, so it's not like anybody, anybody was freezing cold or damp. Um, so it was kind of it was kind of a community building uh-huh. in a way, which was a little unexpected. But I've got no complaints. It was really cool. Sounds like a wonderful time. That's awesome. Yeah, it was. Cool, cool. Um, so I tell you what, man. Let's take a look at what is going on in the news. And it looks like this first story here is one that you threw on there because um, I don't. Yeah, I this, don't remember. This was, Tell me about this. This is a doozy. You know, um, about a week and a half ago, the uh, the government of our hometown, San Jose, California, announced that our childhood neighborhood uh, may be gaining thirteen thousand residential units and office space to accommodate fifty five thousand workers. Wow. Now, is this is this that Google campus they've been talking about? This is the famous or infamous, if you will, Google Village, um, okay. which is readily transforming the what's left of our childhood neighborhood. Um, it's kind of it's kind of a, you know, um, I don't want to, you know, sound too downbeat, but it's definitely changing things up. Um, I, I, I'm kind of privately telling mom and dad that they should consider renting out their parking space or their driveway as parking and get rich <laughs> off of it. But, uh, you know, it, it, I saw the news headline and I know that there's been a lot of development and stuff in that part of our hometown, but, um, it, I don't know. It kind of, it kind of really hit me. I mean, it's, it's a, those are pretty large numbers for, uh, for some of the streets and probably the infrastructure and sewer system in that part of the city. Yeah. Um, and it just feels like every time I, I go back to our old homestead that something's changed or gone. Um, just, Last week when I was in San Jose, there's at the end of our block, a um, ballet school that had been there since before I was born. Um, uh, yes. Oh, down at, down at the Park Avenue end. Yes. And yes. It, it is officially dead. It's a florist now. Oh, wow. Um, so just another, you know, another one bites the dust, so to speak. So yeah, this headline really kind of caught my my attention and kind of the just my, my overall kind of zeitgeist of just, you know, change and loss and i mean new things and you know hey you know hopefully some of those thirteen thousand new residents you know maybe they have some some small young families that are going to grow up in the place we grew up and have just as many happy childhood memories but uh i don't know we'll see what happens it's going to be it's going to be different you know yeah for sure for sure i i'm just very entertained by the fact that the diridon area neighborhood group is referred to as dang <laughs> yes That's- oh dang Oh, that's exactly right. Oh, dang. Uh, but, um, I mean, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, with the pandemic now, you see all these companies that are thinking about going permanently teleworking kind of situation, you know? So oh, yeah. I've been working from home for over seven months now. Right. So who knows if this will even happen, I guess. You never know. You yeah. Know. Or it may just take longer to get done. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, now, what is this next bit of... Oh, yes. Because... Um, this is kind of interesting. I haven't watched this movie in a very long time, but I have, I have strong memories of it. Oh yes. The, the, the 1984, I believe cult sci-fi film, the last starfighter, potentially there's a rumors in the, uh, that a sequel is in the works. Um, I'm probably going to mispronounce his name, but the writer of the first film, a guy named John Batool, uh, says that, uh, they're going forward with, he's, now managed to get all the rights and legal permissions to start work on a sequel. Um, 
and he's talking about what he's his ideas for it. It's not going to be a remake, but it's going to be a continuation of the story. He says, "Nice." Um, and he talks about how the leads in the original film are now parents, and time has passed. But um, he talks about it as a passing of the tor- torch or the joystick. And of course, if if our listeners aren't familiar, uh, this was a classic space opera film. Um, you know, basic story was a human earthling kid becomes very proficient with a arcade video game um, that, you know, due to a number of circumstances leads to him actually going out into outer space with aliens to fight bad guys in the spaceship. And I loved this film growing up. I I absolutely adored it Um, up until, I mean, I don't think there had been any films. It, 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 the film incorporated a lot of early computer graphics mm-hmm. and I don't think there had been any sci-fi films before this film that had incorporated so many computer graphics into the film. So it was kind of groundbreaking. Other, in a other way. than Tron, I would probably agree with that. Yeah. And um, it's, it's great, but it's all, it's funny, but it's campy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this one guy and he's the evil bad guy and he's Emperor Zur of the Kodan Armada or something. I love this yeah. guy. Yep. Um, totally you know, cracked out movie. Um, I really hope that the sequel comes together. Um, so I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. Hopefully we'll learn more. Well, and the fact that the original writer has kind of got, um, you know, control of the, the intellectual property behind the original, you know, I think, I think that's a good sign. It's not just somebody else coming along and being like, Hey, I have great memories of this. Let's, you know, let's do our own thing with it. This is coming from the originator. So I, I, I put good faith in that so long as they can pull it together. Yeah, totally keeping my fingers crossed. In fact, I think we may have mentioned in an episode many months ago that um, there was even um, at the time of the original film, there was going to be a toy line released. Um, it only got to the prototype stage. And that's right. Maybe about a year or two ago, they auctioned off the surviving prototypes of the action figures, which for me is just like, okay, why haven't I won the lottery yet? I would totally buy those. Right. So, Right. Yeah, no, I remember I remember talking about that. That's who knows, maybe this time we'll finally get <laughs> right. We'll finally get those action figures. Totally. Oh. Well, it it's it's early days, but apparently a Smokey and the Bandit TV series may be in the works. Wow. That's yes, right? Wow. Now, Smokey and the Bandit, the movies Maybe with the exception of the third, because the third one was kind of crappy. I mean, those were big hits in our family. Right. Like, I I still love the first film. Mm -hmm. If if that comes on or if for some reason I choose to watch it, just... Just those opening scenes, the the sound of the diesel engine starting up on the the rig um, Mm -hmm. is fantastic. Um, So, the article in our show notes, um, it doesn't really have a lot of concrete details it's not a oh this is moving forward Hmm. it's you know these people have this idea and they're getting these people involved and you know here's here's why we think they're doing it um but it i would give it a shot i'd honestly give it a shot i i imagine that it would probably, I mean, maybe it would be set modern day. They don't really say one way, one way or the other. Um, but I can only imagine what, you know, good car chases, practical effects. You know, it's not going to be a bunch of CGI. You, you you definitely could have potentially have a revenue stream in terms of having some car companies 
you know, have some sort of like almost like product placement, having cars in right. the show. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I don't know how you would feel about this, but I, I, one potential casting uh, scenario that comes to my mind, the Jackie Gleason, the Sheriff Buford T. Mm-hmm. Justice. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw a name out there and it's going to sound like a crazy idea for who they should cast for that role. But but I'll, I'll try to explain it a little bit. All right. I'm going to say NBA legend Shaquille O'Neal. It, wait, what? And, and hear me out. Hear me out. He has acted in films before. Well, maybe, yeah. maybe not the greatest films, right? <laughs> and he, from what I understand, he's like a really big law enforcement guy in the sense that whenever he has played on an NBA team, he always becomes like a, um, like an honorary or a reserve deputy sheriff or whatever town he's playing in. Basically, you know what I mean. I, I um, don't, but I don't really follow sports that much. Oh, okay. Chalk so, it up to that. So I, I don't know. I think I let's do it. Let's have Shaquille O'Neal as Buford T. Justice. That's I don't know. That's I'm just you know. That's call me call me crazy, but I'm just saying. I think that would be uh, that would be really interesting. I don't I know. Will, but yeah, kind of crazy. All right, all right. I mean, I don't know who else you cast on that show, but you know, I, I would watch it. It's tough. It's tough to say because yeah. you you run the risk of parodying the original more so than paying homage to it if you're not careful with it right so yeah we shall see we'll we'll we will let you know if a an actual smoky the bandit series comes to fruition stay tuned for future details most definitely um so seb you remember having some fisher price toys growing up right oh my gosh you know what i i have really big memories of something i think it's called the corn popper which yes. looks like it looks like a lawnmower, but there's like little colored plastic balls that pop yes. up and down when you move it yes. around. Precisely. Oh, yeah. Yes. The Fisher Price phone, the, mm-hmm. the little people. I think we had one that, that was like a barn that opened up, maybe. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, dig this. Fisher, Fisher Price has an Instagram account that is just like their toy museum. Oh, wow. So all the old ones that we remember from our childhood and probably even further back than that, mm-hmm. um, they are slapping up on this Instagram account and just scrolling through some of the pictures uh, in this article. And like, for example, there's your corn popper. Nice. Um, and the Fisher Price cassette player. Mm-hmm. And uh, all sorts of stuff. It wow. really was um, really kind of a trip back. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you grew up with Fisher-Price stuff as well, which I'm suspecting you probably did, World, um, go go check out that link in the show notes. And, and our last story tonight, I actually was going to put this into the notes myself uh, just yesterday. Oh, and did you see it there? Yeah. I, yeah, and then I went to paste it, and I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> Seb's already beat me to it. Great um, minds think alike. Indeed, indeed. Well, well, give us give us the news, man. Yes, uh, tragically, um, the actress Elsa Raven, who played the famous clock tower lady in Back to the Future Part One, has passed away at the age of ninety one. Um, and you know, it's 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 real shame because it's like there's so many there's so many great talented people who have passed away this year. Mm-hmm. And and it's tough because being that it's the year of the pandemic, I mean, here's the thing on an ordinary year, I'm actually a real big sucker for um, end of the year 
dead celebrity montages that you see right. in like Turner Classic Movies or the Oscars or something like that. And I almost feel like for this year, and I hope this doesn't sound like I'm making light of the current state of the world, but they would almost need like a half an hour montage to really give the due to all the amazing people who passed away this year. Oh, um, absolutely. I mean, we just had Sir Sean Connery last week. I mean, it's just, a, you know, it's a who's who list. Well, um, and there was just today, I think I heard about, and you might recognize this name. Let me bring it up real quick here. Um, uh, Jeffrey Palmer. Oh, the British actor. Yes. Uh, he's had some roles on Doctor Who, which is why it popped up in my feed. But he was in like a number of very popular um, British series and films. Um, he was, yeah, he was in a show called Butterflies. I don't know. It was like a 70s British soap opera, I guess. Okay. The weird thing about Butterflies was. I think they used to show it on PBS in San Jose. We were growing when we were growing up, and it was. I think it was aired right before like Doctor Who. So I never watched any of that show, but I know who this guy was because I'd always see the credits for it because I would like tune in to see you know Doctor oh, Who. You could see his something. name at the end of the show before I got. Yeah, you. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's crazy. But you know, um, I was looking up the Clock Tower Lady Elsa Raven and trying to figure out if she had been in anything else I'd seen. Um, and it's it's actually kind of embarrassing um, because I have a there's a, a a list of movies that have made me cry over the years. Okay. And it's it's a really embarrassing list because it's it's not like well anyway she played a character in a film and her scene was the one scene in that film that made me cry. She was in the 1997 Titanic movie, the James Cameron movie. Right. And there was a scene when this boat's sinking where there's this like old married couple like laying in a bed and the water's like flowing in. I vaguely remember that scene. Yeah. And and it's, yeah. And I think it's like the only scene where you see those people. And it was the only part of that dumb movie that made me cry. And it was, that was the clock tower lady. And I had no idea until, until we uh, researched for tonight's episode, you know? So that was kind of crazy. Yeah. She, she's, I mean, honestly, she has been in a lot of stuff, both in TV and movies. Hmm. Um, heck, she even played the realtor who sold the house in the Amityville Horror. <laughs> Luckily, uh, not a film that has made me cry. I, no, that's and that, that's good. That's yeah. good. I suppose that that is not a bad thing. But <laughs> I mean, I just looking at the picture in this Variety article that you linked here, I can hear her voice. Oh yeah, hear the jangling of the coins yeah. Yeah. Oh, in yeah. in this in this can to save the clock tower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, I mean, a long life, hopefully a very fulfilling life. And, and you know, by all means, uh, rest in peace, Elsa Raven. Here, here. Well, all right. This time on If Memory Serves, we are talking some of our Thanksgiving memories and, and most definitely memories of going down to the small town of Porterville, California. Yeah, it... it if people don't think our show is niche enough, tonight's an episode dedicated uh, in part to uh, the memories of a, of a small farming community in Tulare County. So um, hopefully we haven't lost half of our listeners uh, when they hear that. But please, please, folks, stay with us. I hope um, some of our memories will be interesting to you all. And uh, 
you know, something to think about as we munch on turkey this Thanksgiving and, and give thanks for everything. But um, yeah. I mean, if nothing else, you know, in a, in a year where most of us probably aren't going to be able to spend time with our extended families, mm-hmm. uh, you know, stay with us to re- have us relive our extended family memories mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and hopefully not make you feel bad, but make you feel good in the process because yes, yeah, we don't want to make you feel bad on the show. <laughs> totally. Um, but hey, so why why is it that we spent so many of our childhood Thanksgivings in a tiny town called Porterville? What's the backstory here? Well, our aunt and uncle. So dad's side of the family, dad's got two sisters. Um, one of them, Jeannie, um, married into a family. Um called the Courtney's and they started a vitamin company. If you've ever seen uh, nature's blend vitamins has this kind of like seventies looking sunset logo on it. Um, that's our family um, or our extended family rather. Well, they in the mid eighties um, decided that they wanted to move their vitamin production facility from Hollister, California um, down to Porterville. Mm-hmm. Um, costs and whatnot probably were a bit more affordable at that time. So around 1985, mm-hmm. uh, they move everything down to Porterville. They find this honestly really nice house, um, big old farmhouse uh, with land and everything, uh, not too far uh, from the facility. And they move themselves and the operation all down there. And so now we have this new destination in a new part of California that we get to go see and explore. So basically when we would go on like almost like a road trip to go down to see our aunt and uncle and cousins on Thanksgiving and stay with them for a weekend or a week or so, what was... I my memory of going on that car ride was as a little kid thinking to myself, this must be the large, longest distance car ride humanly possible. That humanly <laughs> take, you know, yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, to kind of take it in sequence. I mean, I guess it makes sense to talk about a little bit of the journey before the the destination. Okay. Um, but what? What are some of your memories of actually driving down there with mom and dad? Like some of the routes or the places we would see on the way or. So let's see. So the basic route would be um, down 101 into Gilroy um, over uh, Highway 152, which would take us past Costa de Fruta um, and Pacheco Pass. Um, And there's the train. Yes. Nice (laughs) timing. train very on schedule um and casa de fruta i don't know we must have mentioned casa de fruta on a previous episode right i mean probably have at some point pretty legendary california roadside attraction yes huge Um, it's like a fruit stand on steroids that had miniature railroads and you know buffalo that you could see in a little zoo and yeah apparently it was famous for a guy that could flip a coffee cup on a plate and there were like all these weird billboards advertising him, you know, as seen on the Johnny Carson show and all this kind of random stuff where I'm like, who's Johnny Carson? You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. At that age. Yeah. I get it. Um, But yeah, as you get closer and closer, you start seeing more and more signs, you know, world famous cut flipper, Casa de this, Casa de that. Mm 
um, the Acosta de Choo Choo. Um, so yeah, gift stores and, and fruit stands and a, and a, and a, a diner. Uh-huh. Um, obviously it, it was always a place to pull off and get gas and have a bathroom break if you needed to. Um, so yeah. So then let's see, we go over Pacheco pass, uh, down through, um, the unfortunately named, uh, town of Los Baños, yeah. which for those of you who are not fluent in Spanish or even slightly fluent in Spanish, that is the bathrooms, California, um, which, which just goes to prove my case of sometimes city names are much better in another language. <laughs> Um, honestly, that would actually tend to be our bathroom stop and grab some McDonald's. Oh, uh, that was that was a pretty. That's the McDonald's I think where we've we previously said how you famously ate the McDonald's pizza. I think which is um, that uh, am I not am I misremembering awesome. the, no, the location of that? It. I think I think what you're thinking of is the McDonald's in. Oakdale. Oh, with Yosemite. On our way out to either go to Yosemite or Groveland. Uh, yes, I think you're probably I'm pretty right. sure. Okay, I'm pretty sure. Um, or it was down near Fresno, closer. I'm not sure, but anyway, um, from there we'd head kind of out um, a smaller highway called Highway 33 through towns like Gustine, out toward Chowchilla. Then we grab Highway 99, which is like Interstate 5 light. For those of you guys who are familiar with Interstate 5, take that down through Fresno, uh, down into Tulare County, catch Highway 190 excuse me, in Tipton, and then head east over to Porterville. Now, it seems to me that somewhere along that route, there was one place we would occasionally stop at called the Red Top Cafe? Red Top Restaurant? Yeah, Red Top Market, maybe? Red Top Market, yes. Red yeah. Top something. Yeah, that was along Highway 190... And- God, why do I keep saying 199? Highway 99 ah. before getting to 190. Um, and yeah, the, the the red top was, I can't remember why we stopped there originally. Because back in the 80s, it was, it was a little desolate from what my mind remembers. Yeah. And it always seemed like it was closed. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think we, we've ever been into this building. I've never been inside, no. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that that, that that original building is there anymore. I think I saw some recent pictures, and it's like it's like a proper gas-and-go mm-hmm. now. But at the time, for whatever reason, we stopped there for some reason. And, and um, there were different kind of, like, taxidermied mysteries... Like mm-hmm. in the front window, like there legit was a two-headed sheep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I th- want to say there might have been some snakes. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, it was just this really kind of oddball place. It was so weird because it had all the the trappings of uh, a kitschy roadside attraction, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it was never open. <laughs> so yeah, it, it was like it was almost like it, it wasn't abandoned, but. I assume maybe it was just closed a lot because we were down there during the holidays. So maybe that's when they closed. It could have been. I mean, there, there were lots of like, you know, here's like these big old like Marlins and stuff kind yes. of like hanging in this front window area. I, I did some looking online. Apparently there was a guy named Ray Flanagan who founded the joint and he was a big sports fisherman. And okay. I think he taxidermied a lot of the, 
the things he catched, like giant sharks and marlins and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it was part of this world, quote unquote, world famous fish museum at the Red Top Market. Um, it's supposedly, <laughs> I've heard from a coworker that it was called the Red Top Market because he might have had a redheaded wife, potentially. Okay. And one of the weirdest things was I, 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 I did see a newspaper article online from the ninth, like 1965. And apparently he had like the exact same setup with taxidermy and a restaurant and everything burnt down and everything was lost and destroyed. So then he had to kind of like start over from a new and build up a new world's famous fish museum or something, which I always thought oh. was really interesting. But, that is kind of interesting. Yeah. But yeah, it was really, it was really funky. I mean, I think the last time we went there as a family and, and like stopped to peer in the window and look at all this creepy old taxidermy, I, I seem to remember there being like a notice on the wall asking for a volunteer from the community who would be willing to like transport the body of someone who had passed away back down to their hometown in Mexico for burial. Oh, really? Wow. Like, it was really, I mean, it was very, it was a very humble community. I, I remember there being like some sort of giant, um, like pile of agricultural product, maybe cotton or something like kind of next to it. Like there was some sort of conveyor belt that would like de- deposit this agricultural product in some sort of giant, mountain or something mm-hmm. next to the place but yeah i don't remember there being any sort of other buildings it was almost just farmlands as far as i could see you know but, interesting yeah wow uh, um and of course i think uh looking at the old family photo album we uh we even passed i think on the way to portoville one of the famous mammoth orange um yeah stands little, little roadside uh burger stands Totally. Uh, orange juice stands. Yes. I, I was going to bring that up and I'm glad you mentioned it. But yeah. The, and for us at that age, I, I think maybe we'd only ever seen like two of these. And you know what? I am a huge proponent of vernacular architecture. I love the idea of if there's a building that's selling something, the building is in the shape of whatever they're selling. I think that's brilliant. Uh, yeah. I, wish, I wish we had more of that in this world, but um <laughs> Yeah, it was a pretty cool, pretty funky place. Pretty funky place. Um, Absolutely. And, and of course, you know, the, the other one that I think of off the top of my head is now in San Jose, uh, which is uh, what marks, marks hot dogs over on Capitol. Totally. Yeah. A legendary place. I love that place. Totally. So, you know, as we, in this kind of trip down memory lane, driving down to Porterville, as we come into Porterville, um, it's hard to describe just how magical this place was. There's, there's nothing necessarily magical about the place itself, but the fact that it was like um, a holiday vacation, it was something so different than what us city kids were used to in terms of the farmlands and stuff like that. I put together kind of a brief little um, audio tribute to Porterville. So oh, yes, if, if possible, maybe we could play that for our listeners at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Seb really knocked this one out of the park. I think you guys are going to like this. Let's check it out. Let's check it out. Over a century ago, nuggets in the beds of mountain streams made California famous as the Golden State. Today, more than 200 years after the Mission Fathers first brought oranges and lemons to the West, colorful harvests of citrus fruits carry on the golden tradition. These groves are located on the foothills of the Sierras, which border California's great San Joaquin Valley, for many years one of the world's rich citrus areas. 
Porterville, lying along the foothills of the Sierras, is located 165 miles north of Los Angeles. The city is the center of a large farming area noted especially for citrus and livestock. John Fogarty wrote the song Porterville while he was in the army. While the song was not a hit, it propelled the changes that morphed his band into Creedence Clearwater Revival. Porterville, land of history, land of mystery, home of Vernon Grant, artist and creator of Kellogg's characters, Snap, Crackle, and Pop, and also probably best known as a location for a kick-ass episode of The A-Team. You really think anyone who lives in Porterville is going to have enough money to finance one of our operations? Come on, Hannibal. We keep subsidizing these uh, charity cases out of our own pockets, and pretty soon we're going to end up on the streets. Never. You can always stay at my place. Plenty of beds. What kind of cargo do you carry? It's turquoise. Your turquoise tastes very much like cocaine, senor. I want you to find the guy who's using my son as a patsy. We want to know about Robert Hicks. Who's behind the operation? This is the second shipment this week that I've lost. As a new pilot, I think it'd be a good idea to give this a really rough edge. Well, I don't care how we do any of this, as long as Murdoch don't fly us. Well, have you ever tried hypnosis? Yeah. Man, that was... <laughs> that was that was cool. I'm I'm impressed by your audio engineering skills. Uh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's um, it you know it's it's a really humble little town, but it's it's the kind of place that just um, it was just so so fun to be able to get to a place where there's wide open spaces and it's a really the house itself was very large as opposed to our childhood home, which is rather uh, you know more modest in scale, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'll tell you, for one thing, I mean, it seemed like every time we went down there, the only radio stations we could find in that part of the state were all like country and Western stations. Yeah, or, or like Catholic. It, yeah, and it's like... You know, religious stations. Yeah, to this day, when I hear country and Western music, I think I've been like Pavlovian conditioned to like, if I hear it, I think back to... Oh, I'm going. I'm on a trip to someplace really fun and happy. So I always like have a happy reaction whenever I hear country western music. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, what are some of what are just some of the memories that come to mind for you of of these times and the house and the the, the farm? Oh God! I mean, really, where, where do you where do you start? Um, I just I think you're right. I think as as city kids, I mean, we we grew up almost walking distance. You know, a couple miles from downtown San Jose. Mm-hmm. Um, so while I don't really say that, you know, we were strangers to kind of like the outdoors and something a little bit more rustic because we'd go camping and stuff, um, you know, coming into this farming community, really. Um, and, and, you know, being surrounded by all the citrus and stuff that they were growing down there. And, you know, I, I, I remember like, going past these giant fields and wondering why are there basically like airplane engines and propellers in the middle of these fields and not having any idea why that was, but then having it explained, well, when it gets to be winter and if you're going to have like a frost or a freeze, they'd fire things, these things up to keep the air moving 
around the trees so that that the that the air wouldn't condensate so much and and freeze on on the uh, on the fruit and that that blew my mind totally yeah I, I think you're right because it's I mean when I think about it our dad grew up on a, a farm or slash ranch you know mm-hmm. and so in a sense he was you could say he was the last of many generations that had that agricultural experience mm-hmm. this was kind of like the like the only taste that we really got of that life in a sense um, yeah. and 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 not to say that it was um a little cozy ramshackle farmhouse i mean the house that our aunt and uncle and cousins lived in was um it was a pretty substantial structure uh, it, it was it was big i mean it was two stories with what eventually became a finished basement right um, and it had a lot of land. There were outbuildings. There was a pool in the backyard. Eventually. Uh, eventually. Um, there was a, a great old barn. Oh, was, man, that barn was really cool. Which was just kind of a, a magical storehouse of, of memories and mementos. Uh, apparently, one of the things that really kind of caught my imagination preparing for tonight's episode, I mean, our, our, our aunt and uncle you know, acquired the property in eight, around 85 Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, you know the the farm is much older than that, and I've always been curious about you know where did this where did this house come from where did, what was this the history of this place? Yeah, you did a bit of research on that front, didn't you? Yeah, I I couldn't find much online, but I was I was lucky enough to actually get in touch with an eighty plus year old gentleman who who actually grew up in the house and whose father built the place. Wow, um, and it it had been their family farm going back to the very early. 20th century um and he uh his dad it's really fascinating he they they grew a lot of wheat and barley okay his father um he he was he basically designed the house himself he was like his own architect his own contractor and the house they started building it in 37 and didn't finish it until 53 because the war came along you know oh wow um but it's it's really interesting they had um uh it's kind of a mission style house um, and yeah, had, yeah. He had, the the original family had seven children. It was a pretty big family, so that's why the house was kind of so big. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of kind of a, a lot of tile work on the on the roof. Um, and one of the really interesting things was he was explaining how uh, right when World War II started, um, they, they you know they introduced like rationing and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. his dad, like right when the war was getting started, he drove two trucks up to um, the Bay Area. And bought a whole bunch of pre-warp like plumbing fixtures before they would have been like rationed or taken off the market. Oh, interesting. So it's really interesting. So the because ho- the house didn't they didn't like open it finish it until the early fifties, but a lot of like the plumbing and bathroom stuff is more like thirties Art Decoy kind of stuff, you know. Okay. Um, but he, it was really funny because he was telling me a lot about how you know during the war when the house was only half built, they still lived on the property in other buildings, and uh his his sisters would date a lot of the across the street there was a army airport air force uh, you know little like military airport you know oh and then that's that's the airport that we yeah, yeah. yeah I didn't realize that that was that was an army airfield at the time exactly and the pi- the pilots the flyers you know on their off days or in the evenings or whatever what they would do is they'd sneak off the base and they'd come to the farm 
to hang out with the guy's sisters, you know? Oh my God. And there was even one time when I guess one of the pilots was trying to get there or get back to the airfield and I, he, he tripped or he fell in his foot fell in a hole or something and he broke his leg and it was like a big to do or something like that. Oh my God, that's crazy. Uh, yeah. Cause that's, that's another point of the, the story too. Cause there's, there's this funky little airport just pretty close to this place. And, and yeah. the legend I always heard was that the, um, the property, there's a big water tower on the property. Mm-hmm. The, the the legend I always heard was that that, that water tower was, was, was one of the main landmarks for a lot of pilots on their approach to, for descent and landing, um, I think. Oh, that would make sense, honestly. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, the, 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 whole, the whole area, the property, the house, I mean, it was very, uh, there weren't a lot of like other, it was like you'd walk, you, you could open up the front door, look outside and not see other houses really you would just see like like farmland and trees and probably if you wanted to get to the next neighbor's house there's really no sidewalks and it would probably be like maybe a quarter of a mile almost or something i I would i would say at least i mean you know there there were other homes and other farms Mm -hmm. like around there um but it's not like being in a neighborhood or even even kind of a spaced out neighborhood where maybe you've got a couple acres i mean this is you know yeah, you've you've got you've got a quarter mile or more to go before you reach another house. I loved the fact that there was um, a gasoline pump on the property, which I guess yes, I always. Would, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it makes sense that you'd need that on a farm, I guess, but it just seems oh, so yeah. so exotic and special, really. You know? Well, and, and and it was crazy because it it I can't remember if it still worked at the time or if our aunt and uncle invested the money to get it working again. But I do know at one point it was working again. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Um, yeah. There's a, there's an old picture of, of you and me standing next to it. It had to be um, a much earlier uh, trip because I mean, just looking at us, I mean, you still have your, your pink and gray uh, vans. You know, I've got my, my rip curl sweatshirt um, and frankly, we both look pretty young. I mean, you must have been in junior high school, I think. It's a great photo. Yeah, it's got to be probably circa 1990 or something like probably that. Probably pretty close to that, 89 or 90. Yeah, it would be my guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, yeah. So so basically, there was the house down the ways. There was the the the, the, the factory of the vitamin factory that mm-hmm. I had up I mean, personally, as a kid, I, I always kind of wondered, like, you know, wouldn't have been much better if we had an aunt and uncle who ran like a cookie factory or something like that. It always, it always seemed that there were tons of vitamins at the house. You know? Yeah. And Hey, you know what? That's great. Vitamins. Awesome. But to go into that building and, and like that, I don't know what exactly the smell is, but it's almost like here's the smell of like raw vitamins and it actually is a horribly gross smell. Like the raw ingredients or whatever, yeah. It's a really, really powerful, potent smell. Um, and it always put me off every time we would go into that that building. Like at some point when we'd be visiting, whether it be during the summer or, or Thanksgiving time, it'd be like, oh, well, we just need to run by real quick. Here, come with us, come with us. Oh, we'll take you on a tour. It's like, yeah, a- I remember like tours and stuff. Yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah. And it just, oh, the smell was just, oh, blah. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> much prefer cookies oh totally or waffles oh man 
but there were there was also like um I remember there was the and I think you brought this up in the show notes, but there mm-hmm. was a, there was like a thing in the back of the farm, and it was like it, it was almost like an old thing where you would like pull up a horse and buggy, and it would weigh the horse yes. and buggy or something. Like yeah, a, there's there's a little weigh station yeah. back there, very dilapidated, very rundown. It looked like something out of a ghost town. It was so cool. Yes. Yeah. Yes, but it had like the little slab that you would either, you know, pull your cart up on um, or, you know, bales of barley or hay or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, there's a little, I mean, like, it means smaller than a photomat booth mm-hmm, mm-hmm. kind of. Um, and, you know, good luck, most of you guys getting that reference. But, um, but it would be really small and it would have like the little like scale, you know, mm-hmm. swing needle scale. Of, oh, oh well, this is, you know. 300 pounds or whatever. Um, And, and it was, it was all run down. It was all dilapidated. It was all, you know, sun baked. Um, But yeah, I mean, it was just for us again, as city kids, that's like really cool stuff. Like you say, it's like something out of a ghost town. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. Um, And that old barn, I mean, Mm. that old barn, I think, I think if I'm not mistaken and, and I, again, I'll be completely honest. I may be misremembering the story um, is that, um, when the Courtney's bought that property, um, like the previous owners, like hadn't like cleared out the barn. So they, they at least basically I thought had gotten everything that was in there. Like there were some old wagons, there was a 48 Buick mm. in there. Um, and later on, I think, I think the previous family came back and were like, um, Hey, uh, we, we want our Buick, please. Um, now, one of the license plates from that Buick might be sitting in my garage right now because even as a kid, I really loved license plates. And at the time, it was one of those things where like, eh, we don't know what's going to become of it. Here you go. And I was like, all right, cool. The, <clears throat> I, I definitely remember the Buick for sure. Um, I, I, my biggest memory of the thing I was most impressed with was there was a like a really beautiful... Um, buggy like horse-drawn buggy mm-hmm. like, not for freight or anything but for like people you know yeah no it was definitely a passenger yeah vehicle and when i better term yeah last month when i talked to the the gentleman on the phone who grew up there I, I i mentioned that and he said he knew exactly what it was he knew where it is today like what wow, really? it's, still being, it's still being used basically you oh, know holy smokes that's crazy um, yeah, it was it was pretty intense. It was so nice talking to this gentleman. I think I kind of surprised him, calling him cold calling him with this weird question about his childhood home. You but have once, amazing ability to be able to cold call some people. Oh, I have I have no shame. I'll cold call anybody. But it was it was amazing because once I kind of explained who I was, um, he knew exactly. He even claims to to know our dad really well, which I mentioned this. Really? So our dad and he was kind of like I don't think our dad remember that. But, uh, probably not. But it was really interesting, you know. That's crazy. Oh man, but um, you know, yeah. So you know, being down there, we would be down there for maybe a weekend or a couple days or a week or something like that. Mm-hmm. Usually, usually, not only with our parents but with our paternal grandparents. Sometimes I think they even grandma, grandpa maybe would take us down there independently. Of yeah, mom and dad, I think I would typically we we'd basically go off for a week during the summer. Right. Typically, I, if I'm not mistaken, the early part of the summer. So it's so June mm-hmm. basically. Um, and grandma and grandpa Nelson would 
take us down to Porterville and we basically spend a week down there and, you know, mom and dad get a week's break from us. <laughs> and there were so many uh, amazingly fun things to do, even in the house itself. I remember the basement was almost yes. like a huge games area where they had um, a pool table, a billiards table, yep. uh, exercise equipment. They had a, um, um, like a, like a shuffleboard, but you'd use your hand yeah. to slide the, the puck down to the other side. And they're heavy metal pucks. And there would be some times where we would wing those things just real <laughs> hard, like launch them off the table. Totally. And then totally. get a bit of a talking to. But you know, the, had this little fine grain sand mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on it to get them to slide, um, yep. like, a, like a talc powder of some kind. Maybe it wasn't sand, but yeah. I, I, I have fantastic memories of just playing that. The sound of it, just those two mm-hmm. uh, um, pucks just hitting each other. Big tack. Mm-hmm. Those, the, those two metal pucks would have to each other. Um, and then, yeah, then they. they they finally kind of like completely redid the downstairs. And so there's like a TV down there and a stereo and a couch and it was carpeted and the, and the billiards table and everything else was still down there. And it was, I mean, it was nice. I remember there was like a wall of like BHS tapes maybe. Yes. Um, and it's interesting. They had obviously, um, no, well not obviously, but they had a great pet cat named Stinky. Stinky. Oh, Stinky. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, I'm the worst billiards player ever, which I feel really bad saying because our grandpa Harold was actually really, really good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because um, Porterville was where grandpa kind of like taught me how to tie my shoelaces. Really? Yeah. And it was really like our grandfather was very, he was a very quiet gentleman. Yes. You know? yes he was. Um, uh, and and, and I, I don't have many memories of, interacting with him one-on-one but that's one of the, the the few really good memories i have i still kind of use some of the tips he taught me about how to tie shoelaces when i was a kid i was teased horribly in public school because i was basically the last kid in school to wear shoes with velcros you know instead uh-huh. of shoelaces you know because it took me so long to like master that art basically <laughs> um but i have you know um it, it was also a really fun time to be down there because we'd have a lot of time to like lay around and read. I I have really strong memories of having one, um, I guess it must've been a summer, uh, one summer trip when I had the, um, the, uh, 1990, I think it was 1990, the 1990 official comic book adaptation of the movie, the Rocketeer. Oh yeah. Old Disney movie. Yeah. Um, And I read that cover to cover, I think, you know, a million times. I, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I remember it was it was probably the summer of ninety two, mm. and it was one of those things where it was like I was kind of like I needed something to read, mm-hmm. and I I I'm pretty sure that it was one of those things where, um, you know, we probably popped into the grocery store in town, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason i well not for whatever reason it's a pretty obvious reason i love volkswagens um the uh july 92 issue of hot vw's july would always be this particular magazine's their vintage special mm-hmm. where they would focus primarily on stock vintage cars and like rare items rather than like custom cars and stuff mm-hmm. um and i i just i could very vividly remember uh the cover 
of that magazine. And, and I've been listening to um, uh, a podcast called let's talk dubs. Um, and the guy that does it, he's a bit older than us, but not significantly. So, and so he's, he's going back and he's talking to a lot of these people uh, uh, kind of from this era and earlier. And I just kind of got a, I don't know, a bug up my butt. I was like, you know what? I'm going to start looking at some of these old, you know, hot VWs and VW trends magazines on like eBay and stuff. And then, yeah, sure enough, like one seller had like a handful of uh, vintage specials. And one of them was this July 92. And then there were a couple other ones. And I was like, Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to buy these three Mm -hmm. because I really remember them really well. Um, And then I came across like, what might have been the very first issue of VW Trends I ever bought. I want to say September of 85, like oh, wow. really old. And I was like, I can't even, like, I just, I saw the cover and I was like, oh, I remember this really well. Like I could, I could still see the articles in my head and I'm like, all right, it's four bucks plus shipping. I'm like, I'm just going to buy it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and it's crazy. And just, just picking up this ephemera that, yeah. that was just, and in going back through it and going like, my God, I, I really do. I remember these articles and, and, you know, some of these trends and some of these things that were popular, like hot VWs, man, they would at the back have like a small section of classified ads. And I don't even want to tell you what, like some really rare cars were going for, (laughs) you know, 30, 35 years ago. It, it's, it would bring tears to your eyes. I just, I want a time machine. (laughs) Well, talking about vintage Volkswagens, I mean, there was a vintage Volkswagen at the the ranch, basically. Mm, yeah. Okay. Let's dive into this story. Yeah. Um, so if you go back to our Volkswagen episode, um, which was Feb, no, March of two years ago, <laughs> whatever year that was, I don't know what it is anymore. <laughs> Um, go back and look, you'll find it. It's not hard to, it's not hard to, to find. Um, I was brought home from the hospital in a dark blue 1967 Beetle. I am, was very attached to that car. I called it the mama car. Um, so round about roughly the same time, I think as the story goes, I, I could be wrong. This could, this could be a correction in, in next month's episode. Um, about the same time, um, Earl Courtney's dad bought a dark blue 67 Beetle, mm. right? Dead ringer for the one I was brought home from the hospital in. Well, Mr. Courtney eventually passes. They keep the Beetle. Mm-hmm. So, so Jeannie and Earl kept the Beetle. It was at the property in Porterville. Um, and I would always, I'd love just spending time with it. And, and as I got older, um, and more into driving age, I was like, well, can we, can we see if we'll get it started? And can we just like take it for a spin around, around the property basically, you know, and, and just like try driving it. Some of my earliest driving memories that were not, you know, in the, uh, um, uh, San Jose Unified uh, School District parking lot. We're yeah. probably driving this bug around mm-hmm. this property. I've 
I will make no lie about it. And, and if extended family is listening to this right now, it, it's still true. I, I would love to own and care for and, and, you know, fix up and, and breathe new life into this beetle. Mm. Um, it's the closest thing I may ever have to having the beetle I was brought home from the hospital in. Right, right. Um, and and my understanding, um, without having gone and confirmed it, is that um, they still have it. It's down in Arizona with them. Yep. Um, because spoiler alert, they eventually moved <laughs> to Porterville. Yes. <laughs> um, short stint in Vegas, and now they're in Arizona, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, they always but, keep going more more south. It seems. I know. I know. <laughs> it's, it's 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 probably where the more affordable uh, land and everything else is. Yeah. That's that's I get it. I totally get it. But so far as I understand, they they still have the beetle. Um, I don't I don't believe it's driven much, if at all. Um, you know, it is just tucked away somewhere and, and I, I would really love the opportunity to, uh, give it new life. Like I'm, 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 I'm feeling emotional as I say this. Well, I, I, I have to wonder if maybe your love for Volkswagens stems from the fact that it was the very first type of automobile that you ever traveled in after your birth. I mean, I have to wonder if you came home to, from the hospital in a pacer, how the world would have been so much different for you, you know? <laughs> heavens yeah boy that that would be a bit different but one thing i really want to quickly touch on um so we've talked about our uncle earl um it's interesting because his father was named earl and he's the owner of the 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 volkswagen in question um our uncle earl it just to kind of flesh out the picture a little bit um unfortunately he's passed away now but he was kind of in my mind at least a larger than life figure um his his yes his father was a texan who married his mom right after World War II, and the mom was from Australia, because I guess he was stationed out in the Pacific. Yes. Um, and when I think of our uncle, late Uncle Earl, I mean, he was kind of like a self-built businessman sort of guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that was part of the character there. But he also, in my mind, embodied, when I think of Texans or Australians, I think of people that are like bigger than life in terms of their personalities. Yeah, and I always get that. I got that feeling out of our uncle Earl. Like that was kind of mm-hmm. um, the um, really fun-loving guy, really kind, generous guy. Um, he uh, he loved movies. The first time he was the first like being in Portoville over Thanksgiving breaks. It, like he would always tell me about like what were the great movies to see. Like the first time I ever heard anybody ever mention the film like Goodfellas or Shawshank Redemption was Uncle Earl telling me, oh, I saw this great movie. You should really take a look at it, you know? Interesting, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the House in Portable was the very first time I had ever seen um, satellite television. And this must have yeah. been around like the very late 80s or, or, or about 1990. Mm-hmm. I remember Uncle Earl watching a satellite TV broadcast of Howard Stern's old Channel 9 show. Okay. Um, and it was this bizarre episode where they parodied Gilligan's Island or something. Yeah. Um, with like Bob Denver on set. Um, and of course, I'm like this little kid and I have absolutely no idea who Howard Stern is or what I'm seeing. But all I know, I mean, I did know what Gilligan's Island was and I knew mm-hmm. for sure that what I was seeing on the screen was not the good old Gilligan's Island I had grown up with for sure. Yeah, right. Um, but Earl's dad, the, the guy with the beetle, it's interesting because um, I think he once worked in san jose at a restaurant called the bold knight as a bartender 
Okay. And he had a huge collection of um, like novelty anthropomorphic ceramic um, liquor uh, containers. Yeah. I, guess. I don't know what yeah. the proper terminology was. Yeah, liquor bottles. I mean, liquor bottles, I guess. Yeah. Decanters. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Um, and the house in Portable, I remember a couple of rooms almost being just festooned with. Um, his collection all over the place. Yes. And I, um, I, I specifically remember he had a couple of, um, there were, and you see them pop up, you know, eBay or swap meets every now and then is there actually were a couple of, uh, Jim beam, um, VW beetle. Oh, he had, Oh, so not only did he have a, a Volkswagen, but he also had like a liquor bottle in the shape of a Volkswagen. He had a couple. Oh, wow. As I, I recollect I, I, that may be I may be misremembering, but I, I swear there were at least two. Yeah, I want to say there was a red and a blue one, but I, I again that's old memories talking. Well, as a kid, every time I I would I mean I had no idea that these were alcohol bottles or anything. Yeah, like right. As a kid, all I knew is that they looked like toys, but they weren't toys, and I couldn't play with them. But I really, really wanted to play with them. Basically, well, and they, they were they were neat. I mean, it was yeah. it was it was not something we had at home. It yeah. was obviously something, for lack of a better term, cartoony. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 yeah, it, that would obviously fascinate us. Totally. Um, I remember there being. Um, it seemed like uh, there was a um, a part of the house. There was like a living room area, but it wasn't usually sat in. There was almost more like a back area where there was a kitchen where it was like yes. a breakfast nook, and that's where. A lot of the socializing would occur, definitely, um, because with the family. the The kitchen really is the social center, yeah, of any home. And yeah, there was a a rather sizable uh, breakfast nook in this, right. and and even a little TV back there. So obviously, you know, you can get your TV watching in totally back there. And yeah, the the front room was more. I mean, for lack of a better term, a a front room, almost more like a parlor. Yeah of sorts um yeah and i and i remember we we would always stay you know in the bedrooms upstairs yes there was there was a bedroom great view yeah it was in like the corner it was like a corner bedroom yeah and then it was adjoining a bathroom there was almost like two bedrooms and they shared one bathroom it, as i recall yes and boy i just had a really vivid memory pop back to me but finish your thought oh well the, the thing about this bathroom was the first thing is to say that it was just like it was this amazingly in my mind beautiful bathroom it was very the tile mm-hmm. work it was very art deco yes but I, but I also got the feeling and i i let me back up before we recorded tonight's episode there's so many websites that are dedicated to real estate and houses and stuff i thought for sure i'd find some website that said like how many square footage the house the old house was or you know how many bedrooms mm-hmm. and bathrooms you know mm-hmm. couldn't find anything i was shocked but this bathroom, I have no idea how big it was, but in my mind as a little kid, it seemed almost as large as the living room in our house that we grew up in. I mean, it, it seemed like the world's biggest bathroom, and that, I think that was I, the thing that impressed me the most, I guess. Yeah, I don't think it was quite that big, but it was just the way it was kind of fit between these other rooms. Mm-hmm. It kind of lent itself to having just a lot of space just kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. Of mm-hmm. it, like most people are used to, like, oh, here's my toilet, and it's like right next to my bathtub, or it's right next to my sink, mm-hmm. and this everything was spread out a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, it, in this particular bathroom. There was a really big staircase, main staircase that 
um, had the kind of uh, banister, I guess, that always seemed like the the thing in the movie, you know, in the movies where somebody slides down the banister of a staircase. I mean, I never did that, but it's, it had that look like that was the thing that always would come to my mind whenever I would see it, I guess, you know? Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with that. Um, the memory that popped back into my head and this again, I think it, it was, it was more of a summer, uh, trip down there memory. Um, was, I just, I think I, I can't remember if it's, it's like, I just needed like, um, like a, a candy maybe to suck on as we go over Pacheco pass just to kind of like clear my ears or something. Yeah. But having an entire bag of Werther's original, uh, butterscotch candies mm. with me on like any Porterville trip, mm. became like a staple yeah. and I was, like, snack on those. Yeah. Cause I can remember having those as a kid, but it wasn't like an everyday thing. No. Yeah. 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 But it was definitely a Porterville trip thing. Totally. For sure, and uh, and later on in the '90s, I think they had a large like swimming pool in the backyard with some palm yeah, trees and like they, a miniature yeah. putting green or something yes. like that. Yeah, they they went and like uh, just completely redid like the back. It wasn't like directly backyard; it was almost like backyard side yard a little bit. If I yeah. remember the positioning of it, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, had you know just uh, like a covered patio where you could lay out and the pool and they put in like little palm trees and the putting green and everything. Um, they, they made, they, they invested in this house. I mean, they, they made some pretty, pretty big upgrades to it yeah. over the years. I think in one of the Thanksgiving pictures that you um, stuck in our shared folder, I had completely forgot because at one point they, let me bring it up real quick. Like they redid the kitchen. And so here's like, like three industrial sized like freezers and just mm. a massive like restaurant quality stove. Mm-hmm. Big stove. Like, what? Just yeah. all like over the top. It was like, yeah, f- like professional grade, you know? Oh, very professional grade. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but in a lot of ways that was their style. I mean, they, they like to entertain, obviously, you know, we, we'd have Thanksgiving there and, we'd have they're not a small family you know oh sure Uh, the cousins begat cousins begat cousins um and so you know we'd have upwards of you know 20 people or more yeah i i mean i think i think i was talking to mom and she said our aunt Jeannie used to they used to do a lot of decorating during the holidays and they would like give tours to people in town to come in and like tour the place and look at the decorations really and there was even this really weird thing. This is a weird story too. I had this weird memory of hearing somebody, maybe Grandma Marge, telling me that um, Jeannie and Earl, when they were living in Porterville, they were involved somehow in the making of a, a motion picture. And that rings a faint bell. And the thing that I remember about it was the director of the film was a guy who is an actor on the TV show Happy Days, hmm. um, not Ron Howard, but one okay. of the other actors. And so the other day I was like, I was like, okay, I, I, I gotta be able to figure this out. So I went on IMDb and actually found um, the film. It was from about 95, I guess. Okay. And actually, if you look at the, I think what they did was they let the house, let some of the film crew live in the house instead of like a hotel or something. Really? But the thing was, I found like the whole movies on YouTube basically. And I didn't watch it, but I like fast forwarded through it essentially because 
I was super hoping that there would be some of the scenes filmed in the old house. Because mm-hmm. the thing that drives me crazy is we had we we had a a, a a video recorder pretty early in our family to film home movies and stuff like that. But there's really, as far as I know, we only have still photographs of the old Porterville house. Um, what I recall, yeah, I don't yeah. really got any footage. And I got really excited going through this thing on YouTube. You can actually see in the credits, there's like a part in the movie where they say like, thanks. And they thank our aunt and uncle by name, you know, that's that, that cool. kind of thing. But um, I was just like, oh man, that would have been so cool if I could have seen that, you know, the old, the old homestead or whatever, you know? Yeah. <laughs> do, do you remember the, name of the film? Oh gosh. I, I don't right now. It was really, I mean, it was a really interesting film. It was like about, um, an Anglo girl and a Hispanic guy, like falling in love in a rural farm community and, in California kind of situation, you know? Okay. Uh, so it was a little Steinbecky. Kim Darby's in it. Kim Darby, the, the actress who was in um, True Grit with John Wayne. I remember that much. Um, oh, okay. Okay. But, um, gee, I mean, Porterville itself was a pretty funky town though. You know, they, there was this weird airport, you know, they had like classic hot rod nights and stuff like that. Yeah, and- I remember, I remember going, I think I might still have pictures somewhere from, like one of these hot rod shows downtown that we mm-hmm. went to because I, I remember like tripping out. I was like, Oh my God, there's like a handful of like old VWs here too. Mm-hmm. Like, don't get me wrong. I love hot rods. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be in this community mm-hmm. as a fan of VWs and to see people who've got VWs that were built up, I was like, Oh wow. Okay, cool. You know, I definitely remember going to like a museum of like old farm, equipment and tractors um okay. but i don't think we ever went at least i don't remember ever visiting there's another museum in portaville which has been featured on a number of ghost hunting tv shows it's called the Zalud house um really yeah yeah it's 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 a, a allegedly haunted museum and um it, I, I wish i wish i had some story of us going there as kids and seeing a ghost or something but we don't uh, no, at least I don't. Um, yeah i don't think we We've ever, I don't, I've never heard of this place. Really? Wow. It's yeah. Been on, it's been on some of the bi- bigger named uh, ghost hunting shows, actually. Huh. Um, but uh, yeah, that was just something that popped in my mind. Interesting. Um, do you have any sort of memory of when, I've been trying to remember when the last time I visited the house in Porterville was. Um, oh, and- you know what? It's funny because I was just looking at, one of the pictures that you shared and thank you for doing that because it's helping to jog some memories because there's a picture of, I think it's me, grandma and grandpa Nelson. And I think Carol's husband, Gary, all sitting at like the breakfast. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. Uh, Let me bring it back up. And I'm wearing this like VW print Hawaiian shirt. Okay. Um, and the only way I'm able to date this is I can remember I was working at a VW shop when I bought that shirt. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be late nineties. This is going to be probably 90, probably 98. 98. Yeah. I was, I would say I actually still have that shirt. Just came across it the other day. God, is it desperately need to wash? But, <laughs> um, and I don't think it fits anymore, truth be told, but I still have it. Um, so, yeah, it, it 
Yeah, 97, 98. 98 kind of just feels right. Yeah, I think I think that might have been I think my last time down there was myself, Grandma Marge and two of my high school closest high school friends. We actually went down there in um Uncle Earl's uh two-engined uh private airplane. Oh wow, I never flew on that. Really? I can't remember you know the model of airplane it was, but um it was it was very it was definitely a very stylish way to arrive uh, for oh, sure. I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, for most of my life, I was terrified to fly. So, oh, it was no, it was it was cool. It was very sweet. It was awesome. Yeah, I but, know there, I know there was one year, um, and I probably still have pictures of it somewhere where the Beetle that I owned at the time. Oh, the red one. Uh, no. Oh. No, no, no. The one after that, I had kind oh. of a um, light blue, mm. almost almost a minty green. Uh, Beetle again. This this would fall right kind of in that '98 time frame. I was like, you know what? I can drive. <laughs> I have my license. Mm-hmm. I want to drive myself down to Porterville mm-hmm. because what I wanted to do, I think the idea was that I was going to take Highway 25 out of Hollister, mm. and that is a little two lane road that just kind of twists through the hills and valleys. Um, kind of paralleling uh, 99 in terms of direction, but much further away. Mm. Um, so eventually mm. you come out near like Koalinga and then you've got to kind of like turn east and kind of make your way over to 99 mm. uh, and head the rest of the way down. I don't remember if I did that or if we just caravaned down mm. okay. uh, together, but I, I know that I wanted to take 25. I've driven that road before in a VW and it's fun. Actually a VW caravan. And that was a lot of fun. I have this one, this one memory does jump out in my mind of one of the Thanksgivings we were in Porterville. Um, we were having the big meal and then back in the kitchen, there were the pies for dessert. And one of the pies somehow was maybe near the stovetop and it caught fire or something yeah. like that. Yeah. That was a big, I remember that being kind of like a, for lack of a better phrase, a running joke, I guess, in the family years after, for years afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking of which, do you, speaking of the Thanksgiving foods, do you have a favorite Thanksgiving food? Or uh, God, that's so funny. Like we were just talking about that in in my family with the kids mm. uh, just a couple days ago. Um, I, you know, honestly, probably Hawaiian rolls. Oh, so the sides, yeah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I I just I like the basics. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. give me some good turkey, give me some good mashed potatoes, give me some rolls. Mm-hmm. Um, notice how I'm not bringing up any vegetables, <laughs> meat and carbs. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, you know, I, I, I at least give my, my kiddo, uh, a little bit of, uh, credit. He, he really likes the, uh, sweet potato casserole, no nuts. Mm. Um, and I, I never got into sweet potato. I just don't like it at all, but mm. he does. And I'm, I'm not gonna, not gonna shame him for it. I'm like more power to you, kiddo. Yeah. Um, what about you? Um, you know, it's, it's, I think probably turkey with cranberry sauce. Okay. Um, but it has to be the disgusting cranberry sauce that comes out of a can and still looks like the can, the industrial jelly kind, you know, if there's anything in it that actually looks like it, honest to goodness, cranberry, take it away from me. You know, no, thank you. Oh, um, no, thank you. But, you know, it's, it's, it's such a, you know, nothing, you know, uh, everything, everything good must pass. And, 
and when it comes to Porterville, our, our, our relatives uh, eventually, as we mentioned earlier, moved and sold up the place around, I think, 2005, if okay. I'm not mistaken. Um, and it, it's interesting because uh, I think you you mentioned this. If you look at the old house now on like a Google street map website. Oh, on the, on the street view. Yeah. yeah. There's uh, been a little bit of development, it seems. This huh? blew my mind. This blew my mind. Um, yeah, I just on a whim, I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to bring the old house up on street view. Cause you threw the address in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I dropped into street view, it put the house to my back and I'm looking at basically a carnival and I'm like, what the flip? Mm. Like, why am I looking at a bunch of like carnival rides? And it's like, I, I turn the view around. I'm like, yep, there's the house. And I turn the view back around. I'm like, why am I looking at a carnival? <laughs> what is going on? It, Apparently now the the um I don't know if it's just the 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 I guess it wouldn't be Porterville County Fair, it would be the Tulare County Fair. Mm-hmm. Um the the grounds for it are now directly across from this house. Directly. I mean it's it's like and the thing that makes me laugh so much about that is this house was the way that I like, I think about it, it's like if you had to rate the houses associated with our childhood in terms of like the happiness memories, like mm-hmm. number one is number one has to be our childhood home, which our parents still live in, and yeah. then right below that is our grandparents' place in Sunnyvale. And I think you'd agree with me that this house in Portville comes in at number three, a close number three. You know? Oh yeah, and, for sure. And 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 the the idea that as a kid. It's like how could this the happiest place? How could the happiest place on earth become even more happy? Let's build a carnival literally directly across the street. Yeah. I mean, it just gets better and better, you know. It, it, um, it it's crazy. I can only I can only imagine what it must be like when that is going on. Night falls. You're across the street. You're just in the house, and just here's all these lights. Mm-hmm. Here, here's all this sound and music and probably mm-hmm. smells of mm-hmm. I don't know, deep fried Oreos or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think as a kid, been the case, I, mm-hmm. I would have lost my freaking... Oh, yeah. Totally. I, I would have been I would have wanted to have been over there every single night. Totally, totally. <laughs> you know, or just out in the front yard just watching it. Yeah. And you know, it's just I mean I I know I've mentioned how our our Uncle Earl has passed away now, um, but it's really interesting because when I really think hard about Uncle Earl, like one of the things I remember the most is how much, and this was something that Grandma Marge used to repeat all the time, how, because he grew up in San Jose, like mm-hmm. he did, um, how much he uh, had respect for people who went to the high school that we eventually went to, Bellarmine. Right. Know? Yeah. And I've always had the feeling or memory that that the fact that he held Bellarmine in such high esteem was one of the things that inspired grandma and grandpa to help us go to that private school. Correct. And the thing is, when I think about it, me going to that high school, because before then, as listeners to our show, and especially our school episode will know, before that, we were all public school kids, you know? And for me personally, like the college I went to I wouldn't have gone to the college I went to if I hadn't gone to that high school. And I wouldn't have gone to the graduate schools I went to if I wouldn't, hadn't gone to that college. And I wouldn't have the job I have now if I didn't go to those grad schools. So it's like yeah. so much about how I turned out goes back to that Uncle Earl kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And like that was one of the reasons why like when he passed, I really wanted to like 
drive down to his um his his funeral in Arizona. Oh, and, right. Yeah, yeah. And it's so crazy because that like road trip when I drove down there, like I intentionally like went like a the quote unquote fun route. Like I I intentionally went to like Rachel Nevada next to Area 51 so I could yes. stay in like the Alien Motel and stuff. Yes. And it was like it was almost like a thing for me where it was like Uncle Earl gave me so much fun times in my life. I wanted, this was like my last fun time with Uncle Earl in a sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. Yeah. And like on the route back, I stayed at like the Wigwam Motel. And Ooh, on route I 66. forgot about yeah, 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 yeah. And it was just, it just brought a smile to my eyes. And, you know, wherever he is right now, I hope he's smiling too, you know? Oh, I'm, I'm sure he is. Yeah. I'm sure he is. You know, there is, there is one more, possibly the biggest Porterville memory Ooh. to talk about. And I don't think we brought it up yet. Ooh. So in 1989, we are on our way down to Porterville for Thanksgiving. And um, uh, the younger Earl's wife, Esther, is pregnant with her first child. Mm-hmm. She's she's literally about to give birth. Like, like this is like new baby is coming and we're having turkey. They're probably not quite the same size, but close. Um, and so you and me as kids, I'm like, I'm 13. You're almost 11. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, we grab the roadmap of California and we're like, Oh my God, what do you think they're going to name the baby? Uh, let's, let's, let's just look at different, town names and and <laughs> name the baby after one of these town names it's like a card game you know to pass yeah right, right. Like yeah. We've got, it's it's 1989 like i mean I'm, I'm not even sitting there with a game boy to entertain myself yeah in the car you know i've probably got my cassette player and that's about it um so yeah we're we're on the road for i mean how long was this trip i mean maybe three three and a half hours to get down there Right. Uh, for it, 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 In my mind, it was about nine months personally. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> so, so our cousin Angela, bless her, love her so much. Um, we would point to just any old spot on the map <laughs> and been like, oh, <laughs> this town, Courtney, or that town, Courtney. Yeah. And I, the one that still sticks in my mind yeah. was that I'm like, Oh yeah, they should name her Pollock Pines. Uh, of course, right. brilliant. You know, why not? Yeah, what you know? child doesn't want to be named Pollock Pines? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and Pollock Pines being kind of up near uh, Lake Tahoe, if <laughs> if I'm correct. Um, but yeah, it, it just that's one of those things that that when we think about this time in our lives and this place in our lives anywhere in our family like like ask ask our parents like oh yeah yeah we remember driving the car down mm-hmm. <laughs> the kids were just looking at this map i was i was so excited that she was coming and being born because like in our extended family like i mean i was born in 78 and then the she was like the next like i was basically the baby for about a decade you know what mm-hmm. i mean yeah and then she showed up and she was yeah. really in terms of aunts and uncles and cousins she was like the next kind of person to show up or something so it was like somebody younger than me for once you know that was kind of a new thing oh yeah and and for 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 much of our lives the the closest relative in age to us was our cousin Chantel. yeah yeah, yeah. which it's it's interesting you mentioned the vitamin company they have 
a contract for most of the vitamins at the the Kaiser pharmacies, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they have like a line of, I think shampoos called Chantel. So every time I get my meds filled, I see a bottle with the name of the, our first cousin who basically babysat us, you know, yeah. we were little kids, which is literally weird. babysat us a real weird trip, you know? Yeah. Um, because if you go way, way, way back to when, like I was an infant, yeah. um, um, Jeannie and Earl only lived a few blocks away. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so it was very easy for, you know, teenage Chantel to come over and like babysit me. Right. Exactly. I was teeny tiny. Um, and then from there, obviously moved to Hollister and so on and so forth. Right. Right. Yeah. The one last portable memory I have to throw out there. Mm. Um, and I think honestly, I'm not sure if I would have had this memory if not for, for you bringing it up or especially there being some really amazing photographs in the family photo album of this, but they had a great um, Nintendo entertainment system and an amazing yes. collection of cartridges. Oh yeah. Um, and I'm not sure, I, I know we had an NES pretty early on too, but I'm not sure if they had it before us or if it was our I, first exposure to it. Well, I want to say that they did. I could be wrong, but I want yeah. to say that they did. Yeah, but that it, was, it was oh. just, you know, yeah. a year before. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think if I'm not mistaken, the, the picture that we used for our, our video game episode, our third episode. Yeah. Is you sitting down on the floor in that Porterville house? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, it is Mario. Totally, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah there, there's that photo, and then I think there's another great photo of you and I playing, um, like Mike Tyson Punch Out or something like that. Oh yeah. yes, God, Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So that was just another magical, yeah, cool thing. Completely. <sighs> Holy wow. moly! Jeez. <sighs> well, wow, that is. This was a good episode. Yeah. I had a feeling that this was going to be a good one. Um, yeah. And it is really put me in the mood for Thanksgiving and, mm -hmm. you know, I miss a lot of the extended family. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I hope they're all doing well. I hope, I hope, I hope they listen to this. Uh, yeah. You know, obviously that's easy to push out to them on Facebook here. Here guys. <laughs> mm -hmm. We talk Porterville. Mm -hmm. Um so even though at this point I have not gotten the uh, text from Resistbot uh, saying that the election has been called next <laughs> month, uh, which will also be our third anniversary episode, um, we're going to most likely be talking uh, some election memories, uh, focusing mostly around 1992, because I think that, that that's the one that we probably remember most that kind of fits within the parameters of our show. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because um, obviously the current presidential election is not finalized yet, but there's definitely a distinct possibility that our, our current president might not get reelected. I think it's fair to say. I, I, I think um, it's all but called at this point, honestly, but, but you know, but, and the thing that I find really interesting um is that it's actually pretty rare for a sitting president not to win a re-election. And the only other time it's happened in my lifetime when I wasn't an infant and wasn't cognizant of that was 92. So it's kind of, there's kind of a symmetry there and I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's, hopefully it'll be a good episode. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping so too. Um, you know, I, I, I think as we start pulling show notes together, 
you know, more memories will be sparked. But at the moment I'm like, boy, I really hope this isn't, you know, a, a, a really light dry episode. Um, I, I got, I think I got a couple good things up my sleeve. I'll just okay. leave it at that. Okay. That sounds good. <laughs> a, a lot of times you putting some stuff in the show notes gets my engine started and that, you know, we're off to the races after that. Um, but I also want to take right now to mention um, that um, soon ish in terms of our show, because we do only an episode a month, um, we're kind of going to be wrapping things up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've been doing this for almost three years now. Um, we're starting to uh, run out or overlap Mm -hmm. um, story ideas. And so at the moment, our idea is to kind of um, push our way through to a nice round 40 episodes. Um, But I think you and I both agree that if, if, if things literally dry up and and we can't produce a quality show um, and, and have good content for you guys to listen to and for us to talk about, you know, it, we may, we may cut it short, but right now I think we're going to shoot for 40, which if I'm not mistaken is going to be March of next year. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I'm excited to announce that we are still going to be putting out a show. We're going to be putting out a different show. We are um, uh, going to switch over to, and we're also going to at times include my co-host, John uh, from Podcastica, because this was originally an idea that he and I had kicked around. Um, but now Seb and I are going to kind of push forward with this. We're going to start doing a, um, show about the paranormal. We're going to start talking about the weirdness in our world of the high strangeness, um, all those topics that we really love a lot. And it's going to be called all night with the living geeks, kind of an homage to old art bell, uh, coast to coast AM shows, um, and I've already grabbed a Twitter and an Instagram. If you guys want to go out there and start following us, uh, it is all night geeks, um, on both those platforms. Um, I'm not going to do a Facebook page, um, because they're a pain in the butt to maintain. And I'm, I'm really kind of disgusted with Facebook right now. Mm. Um, but that's a whole other story. Um, so we'll, make a bigger announcement about that when, when we've got that ready, but that is on the horizon that is coming. Um, and in the meantime, mm-hmm. <laughs> as you get ready to feast your way through Thanksgiving and then start putting up Christmas decorations before our next episode, you can like us on Facebook if you want to, and follow us on Twitter by all means at memory serves pod. You can follow me on Twitter at blue box UFO, and you can follow Seb at Clan McMuffin. Ah, man. I want some breakfast food for tomorrow. Uh, please subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher, wherever you consume podcasts. Heck, we're on Spotify. Uh, but not exclusive to Spotify, because I think that's a terrible idea. Just go search If Memory Serves. Please, please, please rate and review us as well. Um, if you want, subscribe to us on SoundCloud. That's where we publish first, and you can get all the shows from the Night of the Living Geeks Network. That is soundcloud.com slash the N-O-T-L-G. And head on over to notlg.spreadshirt.com because I don't know how to say domain names anymore. <laughs> and get yourself one of our If Memory Serves shirts. And I guarantee you 
that when All Night with the Living Geeks comes out, we will have some designs up there as well. As well. Mm. I'm already working on some stuff. Mm. Um, and by all means, in the pandemic, please support your friends who are artists, support your local businesses, your local bookstores, um, any any business that is is uh, minority owned, black owned, Asian owned, you know, um, support the community around you. Don't worry about us so much, but if you want to kick a few dollars our way, patreon.com slash N-O-T-L-G. That's always appreciated, but by all means, support those around you first till we get through all of this. And please, people, wash your hands and wear a goddamn mask. Um, but with that said, God willing, another 24 or 48 hours, we will have this election decided and we will have more election stuff to talk to you about next time. Hope you have a good night in the meantime. Stay safe, folks. Well, I don't care how we do any of this, as long as Murdoch don't fly us.